Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Robert Yeager and the Tao Foundation. This is where we live from Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalbathanchel. He's from Hartford, and now he's running to become the city's next mayor. Brandon McGee is serving his fourth term in the Connecticut General Assembly, representing Hartford and parts of Windsor. He describes himself as a community activist and architect of social solutions for the people of Connecticut. Today, Representative McGee joins us in studio to talk about his run for mayor. He collected enough signatures to be on the September 10th Democratic primary ballot. His challengers are incumbent Mayor Luke Bronin and former Mayor Eddie Perez. Now, are you a City of Hartford resident? What questions do you have for Representative McGee? You can join us, 888-720-WMPR. That's 888-720-9677. Or, as always, find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Uh, I want to welcome Representative Brandon McGee into our studios. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, so we were looking at your website, and uh, in a, the cam- one of the campaign videos, uh, you said that you were born and raised uh, on Barber Street in Hartford. That's right. That's right. Uh, so tell us about your upbringing. What do you remember? Yeah. You know, I always remember uh, very, very vividly um, a strong community. Uh, When you think about Barber Street, you think about Stowe Village, you think about Blanche's, a grocery store uh, that exists or existed uh, at Unity Plaza. Uh, I think about the churches and I think about the importance of my mom and father uh, instilling in me the importance of education. Uh, So Hartford's North End is something very special to me. Uh, But I was always privy to the entire city. Uh, But my upbringing, father, mom, dad experience, the criminal justice system. So you'll notice uh, a lot of my uh, work that I've done is to support uh, criminal uh, justice reform Mm -hmm. as a state legislature or a legislator uh, and really focusing in on how do we provide opportunities to those returning home? Because I personally know the impacts it had on my family. Mm. Uh, You mentioned the North End. Uh, For our listeners uh, throughout the state of Connecticut, uh, people have an impression of the Mm. North End. Um, We hear of, uh, in the headlines this summer, you know, gun violence is up in the city of Hartford. Uh, How did um, violence uh, that you may have seen uh, growing up, how did that impact you? It impacted me in a way where you really had to choose right uh, from wrong Right. And having uh, positive role models helped uh, me to uh, stay the course, uh, go to college, do what I needed to do. Uh, But the difference between then and now uh, is I believe we lack a plan uh, that would support the overall structure uh, that we need for our young people. Uh, But most importantly, it allows for our local nonprofits, our policemen and women in the community to work together to address uh, this uptick and homicides. I mean, we're at number 19. Uh, One is too many. And so, you know, we're void of a plan. Uh, And right now, Hartford, unfortunately, when you turn on the news and you said it, Mm -hmm. people are like afraid to come into Hartford. But I got to tell you, Hartford is a beautiful place with amazing people in it. It's also a city Mm -hmm. with city challenges, uh, but challenges that we can overcome uh, if we have a plan and a leader 
that's intentional about addressing those concerns. I mentioned you're serving uh, the fourth term in the Connecticut General Assembly. So the state of Connecticut, the General Assembly, they have a role to play as well. Uh, We hear uh, Governor Lamont, like previous governors, allocating more money to help uh, the major cities in Connecticut, including Hartford, deal with violence. Is that an appropriate strategy? What hasn't worked um, Mm -hmm. from looking at the past? Uh, Again, because suburban residency, Mm -hmm. money being thrown at cities like Hartford, and and there's not change. Uh, Great point. Thank you. That was a hot button question. Um, But I do recall serving. I'm currently chair of the Black and Puerto Rican Caucus. Uh, And for us, we are extremely excited about the resources that we've been afforded to allocate to nonprofits in our respective communities. Um, So at the request of our caucus under my leadership, I sat and I met with the governor's staff, his key folks. And I said, look, we need to not just pour more money at an issue, but we really need to step back and take a holistic approach to addressing poverty and crime in many of our urban centers. And we don't have all the answers as the elected, but we do need to utilize our platforms, our voices to really raise the the, the concerns, the issues that our community, our residents are saying, there's something that needs to be done. We also know that the men and women, uh, policemen and women are doing the best that they can, but we need to hire more. We need to take innovative approach to many of the crimes and things that are happening uh, in our community. So no, we don't need to throw just an extra $50,000. What is that gonna do? It is important, don't get me wrong, but we have to address unemployment, the lack of housing, education, and I guarantee you, I guarantee you that we could really address the crime that's happening in Hartford, New Haven, Bridgeport, and any other suburban, urban area that's faced with these challenges. Representative Brandon McGee is in studio with me here on Where We Live. He's running for mayor. He collected enough signatures to be on the September 10th Democratic primary ballot. If you are a Hartford resident and you have a question for Representative McGee about his plans, uh, if he's elected a mayor, join the conversation, 888-720-WMPR or 888-720-9677. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Uh, Representative McGee, you said that you had role models. And so I'm curious, um, who were they? And when you look at now, when you see Hartford youth struggling, mm. um, you know, what can be done to help them, you know, beyond these policy yeah. issues that you've yeah. discussed? Yeah. You know, had it not been for men like Marichelle Muntz, who's a pastor here and also on WESU, Middletown Radio, <laughs> uh, those gentlemen or Marichelle and June Archer, mm-hmm. they served as role models to me in the darkest of days. Uh, Now, when I look back, my father was in and out of prison. Um, There was a lot going on in the early 90s when you talk about gang violence in the city of Hartford. Uh, Those men simply showed up. My father was there, but again, in and out of the system. But these men, they showed up, they were consistent, and they gave of their time, their talent, and they also corrected me as well. But they showed me the importance of giving back to the community. But also, Brandon, when you become of age, you got to do the same thing by lifting people up. So what have I done lately around mentorship through my fraternity? I've been able to utilize resources to identify men and women with various stories to, to be, in front of, be in front of, excuse me, our students in the city of Hartford. Hartford's young people 
they're looking for someone to just be consistent. And not every household in the city of Hartford lacks two parents, okay? Mm -hmm. There are two-parent homes. There are educated people in the city. Uh, It's very diverse. There are white folk in North End. There are black people in the West End. And we have West Indian and Puerto Ricans and of all cultures in the city. And all of our children need a mentor that will help them to get from point A to point B. And I I promise you our young people would have um, something uh, to look forward to when they see more of us in front of them. And I told you when I came in here, I'm all fired up because I just left the new Weaver High School welcoming mm-hmm. uh, some 900 students back to school. And it That's was absolutely, oh, yeah, it was absolutely <laughs> amazing. So um, mentorship really helped me mm-hmm. to where I am now. Mm-hmm. Uh, often when people uh, look at candidates, they want to know more about their experience. You've mm-hmm. been in the General Assembly. So what would you rate as your biggest accomplishment? And why does that make you the right person uh, to be the next mayor? Yeah. Um, wow. Your questions are good. <laughs> I you have know, a good team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, Having served uh, in the state's uh, legislature and have served on human services, uh, the education committee, housing, appropriations, finance, revenue, and and bonding, um, I've had a chance to see things from a very high level uh, in terms of how our state operates, but also represent the people of Windsor and Hartford on important issues. Uh, my biggest accomplishment, uh, and I have, I have, I have several, uh, but my biggest accomplishment uh, is really helping um, nonprofits in the city of Hartford with financial dollars, resources, to continue the work that they're doing, uh, particularly around supporting um, nonprofits whose mission is to support young people, uh, mental health, and housing. Very, very near and dear to my heart. Uh, But you also know as a state legislator, uh, you have to compete with 151 folk in the House of Representatives. And so sometimes your grandiose ideas don't make it through committee. And if they do make it through committee, they get a public hearing and they may not be on the floor of the House. But as of late, as of late, I've been able to pass legislation that would improve our minority teacher recruitment be able to support those who are entering the community to have a right to vote. Unfortunately, the Senate didn't pass it, but it's a big accomplishment to me. Uh, And then lastly, uh, providing opportunities uh, for our teachers, teachers who are interested in living in places like Hartford, um, allow for municipalities to incentivize those teachers to relocate to areas like Hartford to teach our students with a focus not limited to, but on recruiting young people who are interested in the education field to stay right in the places where they grew up in quality housing. Uh, And so we have one right in Hartford, the Teacher's Corner, right on Asylum Hill. Uh, And because of the legislation that uh, was uh, passed through my committee and passed on the floor of the House, we're able to pilot a program to encourage more people to live in the city of Hartford and other places throughout the city. So I know I gave you more than one accomplishment, but I'm just really excited about the work uh, that I've been able to do over these past years uh, as a state legislator. And we're going to be digging uh, deeper into uh, housing and education in yeah. just a little bit. Uh, but I was looking back at when you were running uh, for re-election, because you represent parts of Windsor, yeah. there was some criticism of you being too Hartford-centric. Mm. Um, so since your uh, re-election to uh, your district, you know, how have you uh, responded 
responded to the needs of your other constituents in Windsor. And, yeah. you know, running for mayor, is this a way where you can just focus on Hartford, which is it sounds like your true passion? Yeah, I'm extremely a passion, uh, passionate about Windsor, Connecticut. Uh, as a matter of fact, Windsor is 60 percent of my district. Uh, and a lot of my uh, advocacy, uh, my funding and policy have all been driven uh, around the interests of Windsor. As a matter of fact, I thought you were going to say Hartford residents are upset that I'm not doing enough for Hartford. Oh, you're and hearing I'm doing, that too? <laughs> I'm hearing that uh, as well. So, you know, being one of the only members of the Hartford delegation that has a two-town district, um, it, it is challenges challenging because you have sort of interests of suburban urbanites, if you would, and then you have our city of Hartford where there are much more of a greater need. Uh, But what I've been able to do, and I've been working really hard on this, is figuring out how can we bring our town committees, which are basically made up of local residents that help to drive the conversation around policy and they represent the greater community when you begin electing new people uh, to serve on your behalf, bringing those leaderships uh, those committees together. Got to tell you, that's been difficult, mm-hmm. you know, getting folks to speak the same language and to really support the individuals of Hartford and of Windsor uh, while I serve uh, in, the, in the state capacity. Uh, but I am interested in, in really helping out uh, in Hartford, uh, but win or lose, I'll still be here uh, and and representing the people of Windsor uh, in Hartford, Connecticut. So uh, I'm not quite sure where that uh, comment comes from because clearly over the past four terms, there have been uh, huge support uh, from Windsor uh, supporting my uh, my leadership, uh, but also holding me accountable. And I got a lot of those uh, in Windsor and in Hartford. Well, maybe I'm wrong, but did the, the town committee in Windsor endorse your re-election? They've never endorsed yeah. my, um, my re-election. Uh, mm-hmm. And a lot of that uh, has to do with previous leadership uh, who was very, very uh, indebted uh, to the gentleman that I ran ag- or ran, yeah, ran against my first term. And I don't mm-hmm. know, I thought you were going to bring that up. My career as a politician, if you would, a community activist has been extremely non-traditional in the sense folks have told me blatantly in my face, you are not from a family of money, a political family. Get out of the way. Wait your turn. It's not your time. And I've always reminded people that I didn't get into the world or the field of politics to become a career politician. I'm here to help people uh, be a champion for people, the less fortunate, the vulnerable, Mm -hmm. and folks who are saying we want to do better in our community. Mm -hmm. And I am extremely privileged to be uh, a state representative because very few people have this opportunity uh, to do such. So... Here we are some seven and a half or maybe even six, seven years uh, later, uh, still representing the Fifth Assembly District. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I am extremely honored uh, to do that. Uh, but we're here to talk about mayor. Well, you mentioned <laughs> uh, you've had people tell you get out of the way. I mean, oh, you're yeah. running in a city. I mean, there is the Democratic machine that you uh, you know need to deal with. And uh, Luke Bronin is the incumbent. Eddie Perez, you know, he's got support uh, as a longtime uh, mayor, uh, former mayor now. But so, you know, I'm just curious, like, where are you, how is your campaign gaining traction in the lead up to the September 10th primary? Who are the people of influence supporting you? Yeah. So, you know, 
I started back in January, January 28th, to be exact, uh, and announced my candidacy uh, right in front of the old apartment that I grew up in on Barber Street. Uh, and we had some 200 people at my announcement ready for change. That's choice for change, Rosie. Anyway, uh, and so, you know, when you, you fast forward, we've gone through some hot days. We've gone through, uh, I mean, it's been a hot summer, uh, door knocking and really engaging with people where they are. And you know what I've heard? Brandon, we want change. We want change. And here's why. You have our current leadership who came into office a year and a half in. And all of a sudden, you know, we're declaring a candidacy for for governor. What happened to what you said, right, in terms of helping our city to move forward, including our neighbors or our neighborhoods, our small businesses? None of that has happened. And to this day, I have community activists. I have young people. uh, I have former state representatives supporting me uh, and others throughout my journey. But I also know that there has been some threats from the establishment to certain people. You better not go out and support him. You better not do some things. And I just think, you know, at this point, it's called a democracy. And if people are interested in running uh, for an office, people are interested in um, helping their city to move forward, why should my hands be tied? Mm. Uh, And so I'm not doing this for any fame. Uh, I'm not doing this because I want to get at a particular person. I'm doing this because I believe in Hartford, uh, and I really want to see something new happen in our city. Uh, Before we head to break, you know, how would you rate Luke Bronin's uh, job as mayor the last few years? Uh, You grew up here. You uh, went away to school. You came back. Does he deserve any uh, credit for some of the accomplishments? Some people might look at um, more uh, development in, in downtown and helping a city that is plagued by, you know, high uh, mill rates. And yeah. that can also impact people being able to open a business. Yeah, I'm, in, I'm extremely excited about our downtown development. Um, I think any city that is on the rise or, you know, has the opportunity to really grow, that's amazing. But it only b- gets better when you allow for the very neighborhoods that make up our city to be a part of the conversation. We realize, I realize that a lot of the, the developers that have been attracted to our city are following the trends downtown. You need to have conversations and be intentional about development throughout our entire city. What does that look like? Let's attract some of our developers to relocate some of their business in our local neighborhoods, provide them with opportunities to do business. Then in return, that foot traffic would help some of our local mom and pop shops to do better, be better, provide loans and opportunities for those businesses in our neighborhoods. Why is it? Throughout our city, we don't have any full service grocery stores. Let that settle with your listeners. Mm -hmm. Why is it that many of our folks in our city have to experience slum landlords? Why? And so if you have a mayor with intentionality that understands the plight of the residents in our city, man, Hartford would be a better place. Representative Brandon McGee and stay with me here on Where We Live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. He's running to be the next mayor in the city of Hartford. That primary is coming up September 10th. We're going to continue our conversation with him. You can join us too. 888-720-WMPR, 888-720-9677, or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live.
This is where we live. From Connecticut Public Radio, I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. My guest today is Representative Brandon McGee, who's running for Hartford mayor. He collected enough signatures to be on the September 10th Democratic primary ballot, challenging incumbent Luke Bronin and Eddie Perez. Now, are you a Hartford resident? What questions do you have for Representative McGee as he runs for mayor? The number 888-720-WMPR or or 888-720-9677. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Uh, Representative McGee, we have a tweet from David who wants to know why you supported uh, bankruptcy for Hartford. This is before uh, the state uh, agreed to do the bailout. Um, To be exact, I did not support uh, bankruptcy in Hartford. Uh, I think in the Hartford Current, I was quoted, we need to exhaust all avenues and we're still trying to research what's the best option uh, for the city of Hartford. Uh, Having done my research, I then understood that filing for bankruptcy would really just clean out our pension system. And that's something that we didn't want to do. Uh, And we needed to meet with city officials who didn't want to share a lot of information with us. Uh, We had to meet with attorneys and and really figure out how can we get Hartford back on the right footing. And thankfully, we have leadership that in uh, Representative Matt Ritter, I guess that's a shameless plug for him, uh, who helped to direct those conversations alongside many of the Hartford delegation to bring Hartford uh, to where we are today. It took a lot of getting beat up by our colleagues because they're like, dude, you guys are asking for more money. What is it, Hartford? Get yourself, get get your act together. Uh, And thankfully, many of our colleagues uh, in the state legislature, they understood the importance of helping uh, the capital city uh, in the time of need. Uh, So I did not support bankruptcy for Hartford um, and I will never support bankruptcy in Hartford. Uh, But I do believe we have to uh, continue to be extremely lean, uh, but we have to be innovative in uh, approaching many of the challenges that we have in the city of Hartford when you talk about being fiscally uh, responsible. Mm -hmm. Um, Part of that is, you know, negotiating contracts with unions, Mm -hmm. and that's something that the incumbent has done. You know, how would you um, deal with, uh, you know, dealing with unions when the contracts are up and the, the city has to remain lean. That's right. What's your strategy? You know, I remember some years ago, it's probably three and a half years because contracts are up uh, next year. Um, you know, our, this current mayor literally asked for concessions that were just killing the unions. Uh, he literally want to get, he wanted to get rid of collective bargaining. Uh, he wanted to literally uh, destroy unions. Many unions came to the state capitol lobbying uh, the Hartford delegation for support uh, and trying to figure out how can we get uh, someone to just lobby for us and we need you. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I had a meeting this morning uh, some six, at 6 o'clock this morning with uh, our DPW folks, uh, Department of Public Works, and, you know, just talking about their concerns. Uh, and one of the things that they shared, uh, they shared a lot, uh, but one of the things that they shared was, can we get a health plan that's not going to, you know, pigeonhole us into a place where we have to choose between paying our rent and the medicine we need uh, to remain healthy. Uh, and, and that's something that the mayor's office would have the opportunity uh, to leverage through negotiations in good faith. Good faith. And it's important to say that because if you don't go into conversations in good faith, then why are you meeting? Uh, 
And so I don't believe that this administration has done a great job in good faith meeting with many of our unions. And one might say, well, Brandon, they endorsed him. Well, let's talk politics. We all understand that. Uh, And I'll leave that there. So, you know, I respect my brothers and sisters out uh, in the field and fighting for union rights and what they do. uh, But I want them to also remember what happened two and a half, three years ago. We're going to take some calls from City of Hartford residents. You can join us too, 888-720-WNPR. Hector is calling from Hartford. Hector, go ahead. Uh, yes. Uh, so I'm calling uh, just regarding, you know, I, I have worked for the city for many years as a youth also, and I overcame struggles within the city. Now I'm a property owner and um, just, you know, living trying to live the American dream in Hartford, but I feel like all the taxes and stuff that they have put us on, as far as even landlords with the water bills and everything else, it's hard to overcome those struggles. So you want to hear more from Representative McGee on what he could do for landlords like yourself? Yeah, just uh, just just in general, as far as even the water bills, you know, just like as a landlord, it's just so much. And we try to preserve the streets, make it look, pre, you know, more appealing to visitors and stuff like that. But I feel like Hartford just keeps taxing us over and in, in, you know, where our water bill is double just service charges. Thank you, Hector. Representative McGee. Thank you so much, Hector. And uh, I'm so glad that you are a part of the Hartford community, the fabric, uh, and also a homeowner. We need more of, of the folks like you in our city. You know, I, too, am a, a homeowner. Uh, I uh, own a two-family. I reside on the second floor of that two-family home. Uh, and the water bill is crazy high. So I agree with you on that. Hartford has a bifurcated tax uh, structure system where, you know, many of our businesses are taxed at a certain rate and our personal sort of properties are taxed at a different rate. Um, we need to have a deepened conversation on how do we preserve our residents and to ensure that they're they're not literally struggling like we are. Uh, Hartford is home to more than 50% of nonprofits who aren't who aren't paying taxes. And so there is there is definitely a disparity between uh, the taxes that many of our residents pay uh, and and many of our businesses. So long and short, there is work to be done on this particular topic. And by the way, uh, MDC, the water company, is a quasi-entity. Uh, there needs to be more conversation between the city of Hartford uh, and our water uh, company. So, again, thank you so much for those comments, and you're dead on about what it is that you're saying. Uh, Larry's calling from Hartford. Larry, go ahead. Uh, hello. This is uh, uh Larry also happens to be a member of Hartford City Council. Oh, Councilman uh, Deutsch, hello. Do- Dr. <laughs> Deutsch, I, you found me. <laughs> I, did, I did, man. You can't, you can't get away. Listen, one of the biggest things, <laughs> one of the biggest issues that bedevils us is the, the, the claim that we must attract outside uh, businesses in order to help grow the grand list and so on. Thereupon, uh, there's, the, there's a request frequently for tax-fixing agreements which give corporations coming to Hartford a big tax break, which obviously then means that the rest of us have to make up uh, the, the, the taxes. That means the homeowners and the small businesses. Sure. So how can, how can we all together approach the desire to attract, let's say, some big businesses or to keep them here 
as opposed to the needs of the small businesses and the homeowners in terms of taxation and not giving tax breaks to big corporations that may be based in New York or who knows where else. Representative McGee. Yeah, you know, Dr. Deutsch, um, you you are um, extremely correct. I mean, and thank you for your leadership on the council over these uh, uh, 20 plus years. Uh, You still look very young, uh, so I'm (laughs) I'm glad that you're still working. But you bring up a good point. You know, Hartford, especially under this administration, have given a lot of tax breaks, if you would, to many corporations uh, that are not from this area. Um, And you know what? Sometimes it does take incentivizing businesses to relocate to do business in our city. Uh, But one of the things that we lack in our city uh, is really having a marketing plan, uh, something that says, you know what, for your employees, big company looking to relocate here, we have walkable neighborhoods. We have rich culture uh, in each of our neighborhoods. And you know what? There is innovation. Uh, many millennials are looking for communities where they can thrive. And if we're not being a champion for our city, guess what? Folks don't want to come here, and we literally have to buy them to get here. Uh, so it's it's sort of both and. You have to have a plan. You have to be intentional. And we have to utilize the talent that we have in our city and right at City Hall. I don't want to run out of time. Uh, Madison is calling from the south end of Hartford. Madison, go ahead. Hello. Um, hi. I have uh, basically three questions. I've lived in the south end of Hartford for 25 years, and I've seen an increase in three very terrible uh, situations. One is the aggressive drivers. I call them vehicular terrorists. Uh, <laughs> wow. anybody, anybody who comes to the south end of Hartford has to deal with aggressive drivers who accelerate through red lights. They don't stop at stop signs. It's a, uh, you, you, your intersection can be the last intersection of your life. So the second thing is the daily sidewalk filth. There's been more littering in the south end of Hartford than ever in the past 25 years. And the final one is decibel violations. The sound in the city, there must be laws on the books that need to be enforced. The the noises in here by the motorcycles and uh, the fire trucks, everything is just way beyond. Well, thank you. uh, Thank you, Madison. So quality of life issues, aggressive drivers, sidewalk litter and uh, noise violations. How would you address those as mayor? Well, we'll we'll. Definitely address them all. Uh, bulky waste was horrible, and you, I think you will agree to that. You walk, you you drive through the city, you see mattresses and all this stuff sitting in front of folks' houses. Uh, but I started off this interview talking about the importance of supporting DPW, Department of Public Works. Right? You do, you support them. Tr- I. Trust, trust me, there will be uh, an increase in uh, an emphasis on public uh, quality of life in our city. Uh, and then, you know, there, it's really simple. Policy is important. You work alongside your city councilmen and women to enforce uh, these policies that we have on the books, noise ordinances and and the like. Uh, and you know what? I would be remiss if I didn't say um, I am praying for the families who have lost loved ones because of hit and runs. And we've had quite a few of those in the city of Hartford. Uh, so there's a culture that we need to uh, shift in the city. Uh, and I agree with you, Madam from the South End. Thank you so much uh, for calling in. So how do you shift that culture? You know, uh, shifting culture uh, means you need a leader who is going to be um, vision casting, but also sticking to that vision and being inclusive so people can understand, hey, we have a leader, but that leader also understands that there are people, experts that could help to fulfill and implement whatever this vision is. And so for me, I would kick off my first day at work as mayor. 
a convocation with all of our staff to vision cast, to share with them, this is where we are, but here's where we're going. Mm -hmm. These are hardcore steps that we need to take to address this culture that we have in our city. Well, you know, what about in the neighborhoods where people like to, I'd love to find out how you can, you know, combat aggressive drivers, people who are in a hurry to get where they want to go, and they don't care if you're walking across the street. They think you're a problem. Yeah, I don't have the... uh, (laughs) That's part of her question, I don't have the answer to that, Mm -hmm. but I think we can work with our traffic division. Mm -hmm. The timing on these lights are horrible. Okay. Sometimes some lights are longer than other. It, it, it increases this road rage, if you would. But, you know, again, you got to create a culture where there are opportunities for people uh, to, to just be who they are, but not run folks over. Mm-hmm. And that's what's happened in our city. I mean, people have literally lost their lives. Uh, and it's really bad. So I look forward to working with you over there on the south end to really come up with some meaningful uh, solutions uh, that would help us to address this issue. And I don't know if you're a part of your local revitalization zone, uh, but I'd love to to have further conversation with you. Uh, you know, before, again, before we uh, let you go, Representative McGee, you know, something that um, is a longstanding issue, not just in Hartford, but let's because we're talking about Hartford and as the education uh, system uh, in some neighborhood schools that are ailing uh, because of the the chef legacy. I know on your website you said that, you know, maybe not closing all the neighborhood schools shouldn't be an option. But if they're ailing and the school is trying to move forward and trying to have, uh, you know, a better community, you know, how would you as mayor deal with this achievement gap and the fact that, you know, some of the children are just not getting a quality education? Yeah. You know, kudos to all of the uh, Hartford Public School staff, its superintendent, uh, and really, you know, fulfilling the plan that she has for the city consolidation, addressing culture, data, et cetera. Uh, But, you know, I am a product of both Hartford Public Schools, and back then uh, it was called Project Concern, which is the chef versus O'Neill case. Um, I would work closely with the plaintiffs uh, because a lot of conversation is held behind closed doors, and then they kick it over to the state legislature and expect us to respond to it. But we got to dive deeper and let folks know that while Chef V. O'Neill, it's in it's original intent was to integrate our school system, we've gotten far beyond that. Now we have enrollment issues in the city of Hartford. We need to figure out, number one, yes, we have to, we had to consolidate. I supported it. But you can't consolidate to the point where you believe that that's the way to fix the problem. There are some things that we continue to do, right? And we do it and we do it and you know what that means, right? And so we need to take a different approach to addressing Hartford's Mm -hmm. disparities. Have you had a conversation with the superintendent about this? Because that is her plan. I have. Mm -hmm. I have. And when she came early on as superintendent, uh, she did her round robin. She met with everybody to really, you know, share with us what she planned to do in the city. And I support her wholeheartedly. But I said this earlier. You cannot uh, say, oh, we're only going to focus on education uh, to address the achievement gap. You're going to have to look at unemployment housing, uh, mental health, all of the above. Uh, And so you have to take a holistic approach to supporting our students where they are. We are not in the 1960s, 70s, 80s. We are going into the 22nd century, okay? And we have to figure out how to meet Harford students and parents, grandparents, and whoever else are guardians. We have to meet them where they are. Uh, And, and, you know, there are some students who literally uh, go to school hungry. Uh, There are some students who go uh, to school having couch surfed. 
you know, and figuring out where they're going to lay their head. We have to have an innovative approach to supporting our students. And you need a mayor who's going to support the superintendent in what he or she does. And in this case, Dr. Leslie Torres. Uh, we are talking to you because the primary is coming up September 10th. I That's mentioned right. you're on the ballot, uh, collected enough signatures, uh, challenging incumbent uh, Luke Bronin and former Mayor Eddie Perez. So what are your plans if, if you don't uh, come out on top? Are you going to go back to uh, the General Assembly? Is that it for you this time around, uh, trying to run for mayor, or would you try to figure out a way to be on the general election ballot? Well, I'll be um, cautiously optimistic in that I would be on uh, the general elections ballot. Uh, No, I did not get the 100 signatures to be on the ballot should I not win the September primary. Um, I think that would be enough and I will return back to my job as state representative for the 5th Assembly District. Uh, But right now I'm in this to win it uh, and I'm not going anywhere. Uh, So I am delighted to be on the ballot, having collected those 2143 signatures, and um, and the rest will be history. Well, I want to thank Representative Brandon McGee, one of the three mayoral candidates in Hartford on the September 10th Democratic primary ballot. I appreciate you coming in. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. Uh, this is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Coming up, we're going to get some analysis about the Hartford mayoral race from Hartford current reporter Rebecca Lurie. You can join us, too. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. This is where we live from Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Coming up tomorrow, Luke Bronin has been mayor of Hartford since 2016. Now he's hoping that Democratic voters will give him another term to lead Connecticut's capital city. On the next Where We Live, Mayor Bronin joins me in studio. We're going to take your calls and your questions. That's tomorrow. Now we just heard from Representative Brandon McGee. Again, he's running for mayor, collected enough signatures to be on the September 10th ballot. And to hear more about this Hartford mayoral race, joining me now in studio is Rebecca Laurie, reporter for the Hartford Current. Uh, Rebecca, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So respond to uh, that interview with uh, Representative McGee. Uh, anything that stood out to you since you've been covering the campaign uh, much more closely than us? It was um, really good to hear him kind of go into some uh, specifics that he has gotten from talking to people in the city, his conversations with um, the folks in DPW, for instance, was really interesting. He said that people are having to choose between whether they pay their rent or they buy medications under these new health plans. And that's not something that has been a big talking point in the uh, race so far, the effect of things like health plans in the city. And so I'm interested to hear how um, the incumbent, how Luke Bronin will respond to that and and what uh, Brandon McGee's plans might be for for moving forward. And that was an outcome of uh, concessions under Luke Bronin, these these plans that the, the union have? Yes, part of the city balancing its budget in the last couple of years was a lot of labor concessions, a lot of money that the uh, unions gave up in benefits. And and more recently, um, there is a new health plan move. And um, actually, when um, Councilwoman Claudine Fox recently um, announced that she was leaving city council for a new position, she said that part of her interest in looking for another job was the health plan change, causing a strain on her household. 
Um, you know, we had a, a listener tweeted us about uh, what they believed uh, Representative McGee actually supported bankruptcy for Hartford. Uh, Representative McGee uh, said that that he was uh, quoted in the Hartford Current, and it appeared that he was in support, but he wanted more research at the time. How did you? How do you think he handled that answer? Is that accurate? That you know he did not really support bankruptcy. Um, I think that is, you know, I think that was accurate. I think at the time, um, you know, if, if people were saying that they, they weren't sure that was the right option, they weren't sure it was necessary to do right away. You hear that a lot from people that that uh, perhaps there were other things that could have been considered before moving in that direction. And perhaps Luke Bronin didn't explore those options as much because he preferred to go this route of asking uh, the state to to pitch in. And so it's, it's sort of one and the same. Like, do you support uh, pursuing bankruptcy right now or do you support letting that sit and, and going in a different direction? Uh, since you've been covering uh, the Hartford mayoral race, uh, you're also out speaking to city residents. Does Representative McGee have the right experience for the job? Do people know him and, you know, are really interested in what he has to say um, as he campaigns? seems like Brandon McGee is very well known in the city, at least in uh, the North End and among people who follow state politics and follow what's going on at the Capitol. And like he said, he's he's in charge of a caucus um, at the Capitol. Um, I, I thought it was interesting that he said that he, people have told him that he should wait in line and he should uh, get out of the way in this mayoral race. Um, or perhaps that was something he's heard when he was running for the legislature. I'm not sure. Um, at least in Hartford, his experience seems to be pretty traditional. You have people who um, are coming up from community organizing who've won races all the time. This was the same thing with Eddie Perez when he was first elected to mayor. He was a community organizer who moved up into various leadership positions, um, including at Trinity College. And so I don't, I don't know why he thought uh, that might not be something that Hartford residents would want to mm-hmm. see. I asked him about uh, because of the you know the establishment, so to speak, um, you know who's supporting him that would give his campaign the traction he needs. Uh, so I'm just curious what you've been hearing. Are there specific people of of influence that think that Representative McGee could do this? Could be mayor of Hartford. The main name that comes to mind is, of course, another uh, state representative. You have Minnie Gonzalez, uh, who has great influence in her area of Hartford along uh, Park Street, and so. Even at the Democratic Town Committee uh, convention where they were nominating um, folks for these various positions, Luke Bronin and Brandon McGee were the only ones who received nominations. And Brandon got a a lot of support from uh, Minnie Gonzalez's district. So when we look at the city of Hartford, break it down for us with the three candidates. What parts of the city are you know traditionally going to be supporting these candidates because of, I guess, what the way the town committees are structured? So the three candidates for the primary, we have a bunch more who are looking forward to the general election, but we have Eddie Perez, Brandon McGee, and and Luke Bronin. Um, And I think it's fair to say that Luke Bronin has a lot of strong support within the West End, within downtown, that uh, Eddie Perez would have a strong base um, among the Hispanic population, specifically Puerto Rican residents in the South End, and that Brandon McGee would, would resonate with mm-hmm. his own neighborhood in the North End. Uh, but you do see a lot of crossover. You see people in the North End who support what Luke Bronin has done over the last four years. You see people in the South End who uh, support Brandon McGee, and, and Eddie Perez, you know, is a well-known name. And so... We'll see if that actually, you know, pays off for him in the primary. But I think that 
you know, whatever support he built over the years, it's not uh, exclusive to the South Bend. He's a former mayor, but he also is a mayor that had to resign because of a corruption scandal. He pled guilty. Uh, I'm sorry, he agreed to a plea deal to avoid prison time. And, you know, I'm just curious how that plays out for there may be pockets of uh, residents who want to see him make a comeback. But overall, I mean, is that going to hurt him? It hurts him among people who are worried about Hartford's standing in the state, whether he can, you know, play well with people at the Capitol, whether they will um, kind of grant him the same legitimacy that Luke Bronin has and that secured him this this bailout deal. Um, but a lot of people are more concerned with what did Eddie do? Was it uh, not not what did he do to um, be convicted the first time around to eventually plead guilty and lose his pension? But what did he do for the schools, for police, for you know, Department of Public Works? And so if they believe that he will do more for quality of life issues and and more for uh, city employees, then he has a lot of support from those people. We should mention we did reach out to Eddie Perez's campaign uh, because we've been uh, interviewing uh, mayoral candidates from the three major cities. We did not hear back. Uh, But I wanted to talk more about uh, Luke Bronin's uh, campaign. Again, this is his, uh, he's running to be uh, reelected for a second term. I asked Representative McGee about some of the accomplishments, including uh, economic development downtown. He said, well, um, you know, a mayor would be doing a good job if that was spread around the whole city. What did you make of that uh, re- response? And is it easier said than done to try to get developers interested in, say, the North End? Well, first of all, I, I thought it was interesting that he didn't really list any accomplishments. He didn't give um, Luke Bronin any credit other than to say that he does appreciate and support mm-hmm. and uh, the exciting development downtown. Um, I think that there's things, there's very valid things that are happening outside of the downtown district. Um, and so I, I always wonder what the candidates think about those projects. Tell about, us more about this. Um, for example, the Swift factories being redeveloped. This, these aren't things that Luke Bronin is responsible for, uh, but they are things that are happening and that you can't look at the city and just ignore projects that are happening. So the Swift factory, um, the, the you know gold leafing facility is, is turning into a food hub that is going to open in the next few months. Um, what does that mean, food hub? Because that's come up in the past uh, when we've talked to, say, Bridgeport mayoral candidate Marilyn Moore. When we say a food hub, what does that mean? Uh, that's a good question because there's another food market that is going to be on <laughs> Park Street, so they are very different. Um, Bears Barbecue is going to be doing, you know, uh, barbecue sauce bottling and, and prep for their uh, their different businesses. There's a kind of hydroponic mm-hmm. business that's going to be there, and then they want to fill in the rest of the space with smaller businesses primarily, hopefully, people from the neighborhood, people from Hartford, uh, that they can kind of move up that line of, of startup to business to now I can go and get my own space. Uh, I'm curious also about turnout for the September 10th uh, primary in Hartford with three candidates on the Democratic ballot. Could this uh, hurt uh, Luke Bronin? And which candidate do you think would pull away from Luke Bronin's uh possible voters. Oh, my gosh. I have no idea. <laughs> Putting you on the spot. Yeah. Um, I, like I've kind of just just from looking at turnouts in the past, the turnouts are never going to be that high in a primary. When what is it usually? Do you um, I mean, in Hartford, it seems like it's, you know, eight to nine thousand voters in an election. Maybe. I, I don't actually know if that's the, the most recent numbers. Um but in a primary, in an off year, um, I don't know what we're going to see. But I think this race has been really exciting to people. Um, I think that 
it's unusual how many people, how many black candidates there are compared to last time. Um, the number of you know forums that have been a little bit contentious and, and a little bit you know fiery. Uh, hopefully that'll inspire people to figure out what they want and to, to say it now because the results of this primary re- really do make a big difference for the positions people are in going into the general election. And I should mention, um, again, we reached out to all three of the Democratic candidates, and I said before that Eddie Perez's uh, campaign has not responded. But you, the Hartford Current and WTNH, are hosting a debate, actually, next week. Tell us more about that. It is very exciting. So we um, are going to be the second uh, (laughs) debate partnering with a TV station in this next week. Uh, We're going to have just the uh, primary candidates, Luke and Brandon and Eddie Perez will all be there. And we are you know, hoping to craft our questions a little bit around uh, potentially what, what's still hanging after tonight. Tonight is a Fox 61 debate. And we want to make sure that people are getting a really good sense of the visions for each of these candidates and, and specific things that they plan to do for the issues that matter most to residents, whether it's public safety or uh, quality of life issues like education. Um, well, of course, public safety is also quality of life, but, um, you know, the potholes in the street and uh, whether taxes could go up if, if the budget isn't balanced next time around. You know, there's there's things people still need to know. Well, I want to thank Rebecca Lurie for joining us today for some analysis on the Hartford mayoral race. She's a reporter for the Hartford Current. Rebecca, thanks so much. Thank you. And again, uh, Mayor Luke Bronin will be on Where We Live tomorrow. Today's show produced by Lydia Brown. Our technical producer is Kion Wolf. Herman Baskoff was on the phones today. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Thanks for listening.